just want to throw that out there. So uh, this morning, Psalm 40 is our text. Jesus is worthy of our testimony. So beginning in verse one for the choir director, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sent offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head and my heart has failed me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified since I am afflicted and needy. Let the Lord be mindful of me for you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O God. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the words of this psalm. Father, thank you for your truth. Father, thank you for the goodness that you show of yourself to us in your word, the gracious gift that it supplies for us. Father, forgive us when we hide the glory and the majesty of your name. When we keep it to ourselves, let us be convicted this morning of a need to be those who make proclamation of the truth, the beauty and the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So this morning, as we begin together, Jesus is worthy of our testimony. So the psalmist here, David, is making a declaration about how great God is. And that is something that every true believer should be in the habit of doing, is declaring the greatness of their God. I know over the years I've had conversations with people and they talk about uh, the difficulty of a couple of things. The the two great difficulties, uh, not as far as battling sin, but as far as actively living out certain types of righteousness in their life. And the two things that, that people usually seem to struggle with, one is evangelism proper. 
sharing the gospel with other people. How do I do that? What does that look like? How do I have it come off not clunky? You know, how, how do I even start a conversation like that? And then once I'm in the conversation, what kind of things should I say? And interestingly, the other is, how do I pray? Which, same thing disciples wanted to know how to do. You know, I, I get in there and it just turns into this like really needy, selfish checklist. You know, hey, Uncle Bob, you know, has that thing on his foot and then Sue lost her job and then, you know, whatever. And it just turns into this kind of, you know, just hospital list of concerns, if you will. How do I, how do I pray better? And, and, and when I get in there, sometimes I just feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And what does that look like? Beautifully, the answer to both of those is found here and in other places. We just need to start expressing all of the great things that we know about our God. You want to share the glory and the wonder and the splendor of the gospel with someone else? Begin sharing with them the glory and the wonder and the splendor of who your God in Christ is. You'll have plenty to say. You want to pray? And pray well and pray effectively. Our Father who art in heaven. Let's stop there. Let's begin talking about God's eternality and his sovereign position in this world. And the fact that he is the author and finisher of all things. That Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. Just not even getting past that first line. Fleshing it out with what we know about God. You'll, you'll, You'll have to stop yourself from praying. There'd be far too many things to pray about. And so here David is making a declaration, the worthiness of the testimony of the Lord. And so he gives us some reasons here. Why should we declare the glory of the Lord? He gives us some reason. These are not all the reasons, but they are some of the reasons. First, we should declare the glory of the Lord because he hears us in our distress. So that seems like a really weird reason to... To speak of the testimony of the Lord. Friends, friends, it's a fantastic reason to give testimony to the glory of the Lord. Why? Because no one else's God hears them when they are in distress. But ours does. Think about the incident on the mountaintop with the priests of Baal. Elijah trolling people before trolling was a thing. If Twitter had been around, it would have gone viral. Hashtag your God might be asleep. You know, maybe you're not making enough noise for him. Maybe Baal is off on a trip somewhere. You know, he's giving these people a really hard time. Baal could not hear them. Molech cannot respond. The gods of Egypt cannot help. The Hindu gods cannot help. Buddha cannot help. The falsified understanding of God that Islam holds to cannot help. Our God hears us when we are in distress. I have waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. But friends, not only is he the kind of God who can hear us when we are in our distress, he is also the kind of God who can deliver us from destruction. Friends, there's a lot of effort at self-salvation 
that the people of this world pursue. Even some Christians try to do this. We try to fill the gap of longing and desire and pain and anxiety with all manner of things. But there is only one who can truly deliver us from destruction. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. Notice here what it says. He didn't just hear me when I cried out to him, verse 1. But he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. And he didn't just deliver me from destruction. He actually set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. He didn't just take me out of the destruction that I was in, but he then supplied me with an environment of thriving and life. That's a wonderful God. It's a wonderful God. But not only does he hear us, not only does he deliver us and then exchanges the thing we needed to be delivered from for a thing that is far superior in every way. But he also delivers us, preserves us from our own sinning. Notice what it says in verse four, how blessed is the man who's made the Lord his trusts. And has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Friends, left to ourselves, we'll follow a pathway that is not good, that is not right, that is not just, that is full of pride and arrogance, that lacks humility, that is deceitful and vain and empty. This is the life choice that we all would make apart from the the work of God and the work of Christ and the work of the Spirit In our souls. He's worthy of this testimony of glory. Because he can do what no one else can do. He can take this this heart of stone. And replace it with a heart of flesh. He can take this sinner. And make him into a saint. It's magnificent. And then I like what David does here as we talk about declaring the glory of the Lord. Look at verse five. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done. And your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. If we just started with the scriptural stories that we know. And began listing the wonders that God has done just from his revealed word. We have the creation which, by the way, is a magnificent wonder. If you've never taken the time to look at it, the heavens declare the glory of God. You want to feel small and insignificant? Start running the numbers on what's out there. And then remember that our God spoke it into existence. He did all that with a conversation. 
Words are powerful, but my words have never been that potent, ever. Ever. And then bring it down to the microscopic level. The wonders of out there and the wonders down here and, 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 and how life works and how, how people are able to figure out ways to keep people healthy when otherwise they should be sick. And, and then let's look at the mountains and let's look at the oceans and let's look at the differing uh, ecosystems and the different kinds of creatures that live on our earth. If we just started with creation and fleshed it out, we would never get done talking about that. We haven't even gotten past the first couple of verses of God's revealed text to us. If we really give thought to it. And so when David says here that we should we should demonstrate the worthiness of God and his glory because of his many wonders. And he says it'd be too numerous for me. It would be too much for anyone to count if I started naming them all. Friends, you could live ten thousand lifetimes and not come to the end of it. And that's just the creation part. Maybe we move on past the first couple of verses of the Bible. We get into some of the stories of some of the things that God has done. Think about the Exodus and the ten plagues. Think about the preservation of God's people in the desert. His pathway and provision for them to enter into the promised land. The giving of a king, great victories that they won, even in some cases without fighting. You think of the battle of Jericho and marching around the city. What sort of military plan is that? Hey, guys, look, we're going to get some stuff. We're going to walk around the city. We're going to chant a little bit. We're going to smash some things. We're going to blow some horns and walls are just going to fall down. Like, we got this. It's great. We don't even have to fight. It's good. Who does that? God does that. God does that. Think about Gideon. Think about the incarnation, this Advent season that we're celebrating right now, the miraculous birth of Christ. Think about the crucifixion and the resurrection, because notice what he says. Lord, these many wonders that you've done, your thoughts toward us. Think about all of the amazing and great ways that God has worked in your life. The stuff that he has done for you. When I look back and I have thoughts about my past and where I came from and some of the family circumstances that surrounded me as I grew up and some of the things that I was involved in that I knew I shouldn't have been involved in. It's a pure miracle of God that I'm alive that I'm in jail that I made a train wreck of my life. And I sure should not be standing up here behind this pulpit telling anybody about the glory of God. Your thoughts toward us. They're too numerous to even count. He's worthy of testimony. And then finally in this first section, why should we declare the glory of the Lord, friends? Because of His Word. Look at what it says. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad 
that when Christ came, he made an end to all of that. And that David knew well in advance that that was not the longing of God's heart toward his people. My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. What is it written about all of God's people in his word, apart from sacrifice, apart from meal offering, apart from burnt offering, apart from sin offering? What does God desire to have in the hearts of his people? I delight To do your will, your law is written on my heart. Mm. I'm so glad to know that my standing of salvation before the Lord is not contingent on my ability to follow the 613 laws recorded in the Old Testament. But that my standing before the Lord and my salvation is completely completely rests in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And through the abiding presence of the Spirit, because of His grace toward me, He has written His law on my heart. He's worthy to be worshipped and His testimony made clear because of this. So then, maybe you ask, Okay, great. We, we should declare the greatness of God. Here's some fantastic reasons why we should do that. Some things that we should talk about in this world and in this life. So how do we do it? How, how do we declare the glory of the Lord? Well, David, in his kindness, writing this psalm for us, gives us some ways that we should do it. Verse 3. With a new song in our mouth. I know there's a lot of wrangling about the worship stuff, you know. It's been going on forever. I'm sure in my spiritual imagination, I can envision people in the Old Testament going, well, that's some of those first, that's some of them second temple songs. I want to get back to them good old first temple songs. Like, I'm sure I can hear it, you know, because people have been saying stuff like this for years. Just know that in the Old and the New Testament, it makes it clear That those who are truly declaring the glory of the Lord should do so with the old songs and with the new ones. Why? Because there's always another way to declare the glory of God. The guys who wrote songs 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, some of the Christmas songs we'll sing, a thousand years ago. It's not like they just kind of perfected it, dropped the pen and said, y'all really don't have anything else to sing about the greatness of God. We got it right here. No, new song. Because we're always finding a new thing that we didn't realize was wonderful about our God and we should sing about it. And I just want to throw this out there for what it's worth. If you come into this environment, the corporate worship environment, And you do not sing. It's not okay. But I can't sing. Nobody asks you that question. That's why the Bible talks about people making joyful noises. Because God made you. He knows you all can't sing. 
It's a reason why my wife makes me sit on the front row so no one hears me. We're supposed to sing a song to the Lord. It should flow out of our hearts. We should sing the old songs. We should sing the new songs. We should sing the good songs. We should sing the bad songs. Yeah, the bad ones. Dude, seriously, there's some bad songs out there, but they still talk about the glory of God. There are songs that we sing. and I'm like, oh, I don't really like this song. But everything in the song is right and true about God. So I'm going to sing it. How else can we declare the glory of God? We sing a new song with our mouths. We also declare the glory of the Lord by doing God's will delightfully. Look at verse eight. We talked about his law being written on our heart. That's a reason for us to give glory to him. But notice, I delight to do your will, oh my God. There have been times in my life where I have not delighted in doing the will of God. Where following God's will has seemed tedious, has seemed like a chore, has seemed like some sort of a obligation, has seemed something like a burden. And do you know what you do in moments like that? You do God's will anyway. Because if the spirit dwells in you. And you are doing those things that are pleasing to the Lord. God will use the outward action to bring inward transformation to where that thing that seems tedious in the moment eventually becomes something that you love because it's something that God loves. You want to declare the glory of the Lord? Delightfully, with joy and contentment, do the will of God. So what does that look like? Be patient in the grocery store line during the holiday season. Like I'm going to just shift off of preaching to meddling because it's the right season to do that. That poor checkout girl who just got the seasonal job because they need more people to work the checkout because more people are going to try to cook a home-cooked meal even though they hadn't cooked one for 11 months and it's just going to go really bad. It's not her fault that there's a worker shortage and they don't have enough people to check enough folks out and you have to wait in line for a little while. Do you know what you can do for that person when you get to the front of the line? Wish them well. Be pleasant to them. That's what Jesus would do. Encourage them and be kind to them and have sweet, compassionate words for them. Show them grace and mercy and loving kindness. Do the same thing in South Broadway traffic when you're driving to the new mall to buy that thing that that person doesn't need. I've, I've been told in the past that I don't give enough real life practical examples of how this preaching thing could work out. So I'm doing that for you this morning. Oh, you don't like these. Oh, okay. We should be patient. What does the scripture say? What's the fruit of the spirit? It's love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the will of God. Do it delightfully. That is one way for us to declare the glory of our God. Why? Because the lost world will not act that way. They won't. People ought to be able to see a difference in how we live life, how we act towards strangers, how we act towards those who are giving us help and aid in this world, how we act towards those who are our enemies. The scripture lays it out very clearly that we are to be different. We're to be peculiar people in this world. And friends, I just want to be honest with you. It's not that hard the way our society is right now. To stand out by being one who righteously and delightfully does the will of God. It it really, it doesn't take a lot. How else can we declare the glory of the Lord? We can do so among the people of God. Those who are believers along with us. Listen to what he says, verses 9 and 10. I have proclaimed... Glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. I will not restrain my lips. Lord, you know it. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart, but I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation and have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from who? The great congregation. Friends, you will never find any level of comfort declaring God's greatness out there if you don't learn how to be comfortable declaring the greatness of God in here. What is it that God has taught you? What is it that God has done for you? How has God manifested himself to be a glorious, redeeming savior? What sort of frowning providence has God placed on you? And he's using that to teach you something about your own character and about how you need to be long suffering. What is it that's happening in your spiritual life that you need to share with your brothers and sisters in Christ that could possibly Point them to the glory of God. I will not be silent in the great congregation. Friends, if you're going through it. Sometimes a brother or sister in Christ is also going through it. And maybe it's causing them to have doubt. Maybe it's causing their faith to waver. Maybe it's causing them to question the goodness of God. And they need to hear the testimony of another brother and sister in Christ who's going through it. But their response isn't, where is God? Their response is, isn't God good anyway? Just to lift their broken spirit. Maybe, just maybe, someone is facing great difficulty in their life. And they're doubting the goodness of God and they need to hear how God is performing good things in the lives of other people so that they can be reminded that these seasons of difficulty are short lived because God is good all the time. 
Friends, we have got to learn to laugh with those who laugh and to weep with those who weep and have our laughing and our weeping point people to the greatness of our God. Because he's the same great God, whether you're laughing or crying. Finally, how should we declare the glory of the Lord? In verses 14 through 17, we see that we should declare the glory of the Lord in the presence of the wicked. I want to go ahead and tell you hardest, hardest environment to declare the glory of God. Hardest environment to declare the glory of God. In the presence of the wicked. Because the wicked does not They do not care about the glory of your God. They will mock you for declaring the glory of your God. They will hate you for declaring the glory of your God. They will revile you and insult you and speak all manner of evil against you for his name's sake, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Notice what it says here. Let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek to destroy, uh, who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually. Even in the midst of those who are doing these other things, the Lord be magnified. And since I am afflicted and I am needy, let the Lord be mindful of me that you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Friends. God's glory is already abundant in all of the earth. There's a reason why David starts with declaring these wonders and they're too numerous to name. Because God's glory is already abundant in all of the earth. Heaven and creation and all of it has already announced the glory of God. So when you, as one who is delighting in doing the will of God, steps out into a dark world as a beacon of light, all of us are like Moses coming down from the mountain, needing to veil the glory that is shining off of us. You say, Philip, that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. It's straight out of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. We are called, as it says later in the New Testament, to make known the excellencies of him who did what called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. There's a whole great big world out there. Whose only hope is our God. And you know what they don't need from us? They don't need us to revile them. To speak evil of them. To disregard them. To hate them. They need for us 
to love them. And one of the greatest ways that we can show them that we love them is by both showing and declaring to them the majesty and glory of Christ Jesus. They need to see it in our lives. They need to hear it in our words. Our speech and our actions must be aligned with the lost world. Now, will many of them hate us for it? Absolutely, they will. And that's one of the reasons why most of us don't do it. It's because we want to be well-liked. And we want things out there to go very easy and smooth. But friends, do you know what else will also happen when we let our light shine? Do you know what else will happen when we do this? God will bring people to himself. What is it that brings about the salvation of men? The word of God and the power of the spirit. And when I go out and and tell people of the excellencies of my God, God in some miraculous unexpected way, takes his word, penetrates the dark heart of a lost soul and draws that person to himself. And they then are carried from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And it gives us another thing to talk about how glorious God is. Friends, Jesus Christ is worthy of our testimony. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is worthy for us to speak of, to sing of, to declare here in the congregation and out there in the dark world. Thank you that there is no end to the wonderful things that we can speak of him. For all eternity will be filled with the echoes of our voices, singing his praises and declaring his majesty. And that eternity will never be filled with the end of it. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing a song of response together.